0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. We're doing business today, church, a yes. father's business. I was reading in Luke chapter 2 where Jesus was 12 years old. He, he stayed behind as his parents and the whole caravan left to go home, I guess. And Jesus stayed in the temple, was in the church, hearing the doctors and teachers, answering questions, asking questions at 12 years old. And his parents finally realized, where's Jesus? Where's our son? And so Joseph and Mary make a beeline back to Jerusalem and found him in church, in the temple. And they said, son... Son, we have been looking all over for you, sorrowing. Jesus said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? What did he call the father's business? Going to church. Being involved in the church. And then, and then it's interesting because the next verse is where a lot of church our believers are today. The next verse said, when Jesus said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? You know, going to church. Next verse said, Mary and Joseph did not understand the words he just spoke. Many people today don't understand that local church is the Father's business. And there's pressure to get you away from the Father's business. There are healings that just took place just now. Things went over the airwaves too to the people watching online. People are going to get better from this service forward. Do you think so? I know so. In the name of Jesus, people are getting better. Now don't go against that by worrying and complaining and talking all about how you feel all the time. Stay in faith because good things just started. During that last song. Praise the Lord. Well, I was sharing with Carla a little bit about what I'm going to talk to you about today. Earlier this morning, because I I woke up actually with a little different direction. We've been talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. And this goes along with that. But let me just say this in in a preface here before we pray. Um, What I'm going to talk to you about today is something you'll want to do if you're filled with the Spirit. It might be a little bit of a chore. It might not seem that important if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, like we've been talking about, you know, filled, you know, you're boiling hot for God, you know, not just kind of cruising and sliding into heaven, you know, but bursting through the gates because you did God's will. Um, This is one of the things that you'll be very aware of when you're filled with the Spirit. And I think... I think I need to speak on this today just in case some of you are not yet living a spirit-filled life. Because I'm going I'm to teach you something that you'll want to do when you're spirit-filled. And it's a tremendous truth from the Word of God. It'll, it'll release you from blockages and, and uh, things that are hindering God's best from coming into your life. And so before I get into that, let's pray. Let's all come into agreement that we'll hear exactly what we need to hear today. Father, There are so many good things we could hear today, but we want the most important thing. Your words full of amazing truths and powerful things. But, Lord, we know there's a specific word for all of us today. We want to hear what the Spirit's saying to Faith Heights Church today and right now. You know, everybody's past, present and future. You know what's coming up around the corner. You know what we need to know. And father, we're asking. May your word come forth today with boldness and confidence like it needs to. Help all of our ears to be open to hear deeply what you're saying to us. May it be accurate and powerful. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory for all the wonderful results of your word and your Holy Spirit helping us today. In Jesus name. Amen. So turn with me to Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs chapter four. Now, we're going to read a few scriptures here, but we're going to focus on some scriptures we don't usually focus on when we go to these scriptures, because there's so much in these verses that sometimes you just need to keep reading and see, wait a second, what's after my favorite verse? (laughs) Maybe a new favorite. Uh (laughs) Amen. So Proverbs chapter four, this is the wisdom of God coming through King Solomon to all of us. Anybody who has ears to hear, this is for you. Powerful. Look at verse 20. God said through Solomon, my son, or we could say my daughter. God says my son or my daughter, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Or we could say the Bible with the spirit of God speaking to your heart about the Bible. Attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let my words not depart from your eyes. Have so much word in you that when you close the book, you still have those scriptures in you. Keep my words in the middle of your heart. Now, why would he say that if you automatically kept them? There's forces that are going to try to get you to fumble the ball. Enemy forces, circumstances are going to try to get you to let go of the word and take hold of something else. Don't let it go. Hold on to a man like a linebacker. Hold on to it like a tight end. Just hold on to it. Let my words not depart from your eyes. Keep my words in the midst of your heart. Why? Because it's a nice little religious thing to do? Or is there a benefit to attending to God's word? What's the benefit of attending? One of the benefits of attending to God's word. You know, turning off your favorite program once in a while and getting in the word. You know, stopping the video games once in a while and reading the chapter. You know what I'm talking about? What's the benefit to that? My words, God said, are life unto you that find them. So we're way beyond just existing. And my words are health to all your flesh. Well, I believe the Lord heals broken hearts and he also heals all your flesh. Amen. Little toe, liver. Brain, blood. Kidneys, pancreas. You say, well, I don't have a pancreas. Well, he'll put another one in. This is the day of miracles, my friend. Yes, it is. Robert Sliverton one time said, a guy was in Hawaii. He needed a new liver or something. His liver was really bad or something, and he said he was sitting in the cafeteria and all of a sudden he saw a liver floating by, and he heard the Spirit of God say, "Reach up, take it, and put it where it belongs." Yes. He reached up, went like this. He got a new liver. Don't try to figure that out with your brain. There are miracles. So, so if you ever see something floating and you need it, just take it and put it where it belongs (laughs) and then praise God forever. But now notice, look, look here. What, what, what does paying attention to God's word do for you? What is it putting at a high priority in your, your, your daily agenda? What does that do for you? Health to all your flesh. The word health in the Hebrew is marpeh. It means medicine. We get our word medicine from it. God's medicine is God's word. And if you're in it long enough, it will fix things. Even the doctors have no cure for it. So isn't that amazing? Yes. Well, that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> Read the next verse. Verse 23. Keep your heart or your spirit, man, the core of your life. The part of you that's going to live forever. Keep your heart with all diligence. One translation says guard your heart above all keeping. Why? Because out of it flows faith to be healed. Out of it flows rebukes to the enemy when he's trying to destroy you and then they work. Out of your heart flows the issues of life or the forces of life. And if there's anything about the condition of your heart that's not right, faith and all these other things, exercising authority is not going to come out properly. You and I need to be very aware of the condition of our conscience. It's another way to say our heart. You want to make sure nothing is bothering your heart. Listen, listen carefully. I'm, this. What I'm going to share with you today is going to equip you to be totally ready next time something attacks you or your loved one and you will win. Amen. If your heart's not bothering you about anything. And how many of you know the number one way we get free from a bothered heart is we come to Jesus. Amen. And let his blood wash away our past. Make us brand new. Wash away all of our sins. Friend, that should relieve you from all guilt and condemnation just by receiving the Lord's forgiveness. But there's something else we need to talk about in this area. Because there's something else that's bothering people's hearts. And therefore, they're not being ready in the evil day when the enemy attacks with disease or fear or depression, them or a loved one. You want your heart in full confidence in this war zone. Are you following me? You don't want anything bothering your heart. And isn't it amazing to think you can get to a place after a simple little prayer where your heart is not bothering you anymore. And your faith works powerful. Your confidence is at an all time high. Your rebukes of the devil work perfectly. Hard to do that when your heart's bothering you about stuff. Now this scripture here says, guard your heart Above all keeping for out of your heart flows the forces of life. And then verse 24, he talks about how to to manage your heart properly and how to protect your heart. Put away from you a forward mouth. You know, one of the reasons people's hearts are bothering them and their faith isn't working real good and their conscience isn't isn't as clean as it needs to be is because they're talking bad about other people all the time and their spirit knows that's wrong. And. You will not have confidence in the evil day if you don't get that taken care of by saying, Lord, forgive me. And you might even have to tell somebody else, I'm sorry I spoke wrong about you. If you don't deal with these things, your heart will bother you. If your heart bothers you, the forces of life don't come out real good. Put away from you a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from you. Many people today do not have high level confidence when the devil attacks. Because they talk about other people in the wrong way. They're saying things they shouldn't say about government. Me, Lord. Go ahead. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And, and you know what's so interesting about this? You know what's really interesting about this? Most people are so used to condemnation that they don't know they lack it. They lack confidence. They don't know that they're lacking confidence. They're so used to their heart bothering them. It's just normal way of living. My heart bothers me all the time. True. There's freedom, friend. You can get free from all that junk on the inside. You can have faith next time a mountain appears in your life. And you can move the thing. A lot of people aren't even recognizing the fact that their heart's bothering them. They grew up in a fallen world. They grew up with depression all around. They grew up with guilt and condemnation. Oh, to be free from that junk makes you a powerful warrior for God. I mean, we're supposed to be living in There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Zero guilt, zero sense of unworthiness and zero sense of lack of faith. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We need to get a revelation. He made us righteous. And then we need to live ourselves lives in such a way where we're not doing things to destroy that confidence. And if you are, repent and get back into confidence. That's right. Thank you, Everybody say, guard your, heart. guard your heart above everything else. Above everything else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take care of your car, shine it up, yeah, polish it. But above that, yeah. guard your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, you know, shine up the, you know, the house and make it look really good and clean the floors. Yeah, good. But above everything else, guard your heart. Like some of us here, yeah, yeah, take care of all those guitars and shine them up real nice. <laughs> shine them up real, real nice. Shine, shine up those 75 guitars real nice. But above that, above that, above that, what? Yeah, 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 take a shower, you know, you know, clean yourself up real good, get some good smelling soap and put some conditioner in your hair. Yeah, look really good. But what above that? What about above that? guard your heart. Why? Because out of it flows the forces of life and you're going to need those forces unhindered many times throughout your life. So don't do anything to clog that. When your heart bothers you, it's hard to have bold faith until you repent. And so let me just, let's do this. Um, Go with me to 1 John chapter 3. Did you see that there in Proverbs how guarding your heart has a lot to do with putting away wrong talk? And then verse 25 says, let your eyes look right on. Don't be looking at wrong things. You know, if people wouldn't look at wrong things, they wouldn't do wrong things. (laughs) Can I just say that again? (laughs) If people wouldn't look at wrong things, they wouldn't do wrong things. What, What got Eve in the trouble? She looked at the tree, saw that it was really nice. First mistake, looking. David, on his top of his palace, looking out over the sunrise, sees a woman taking a bath. Big mistake. He saw and did. What if he didn't saw? He wouldn't have did. <laughs> Do you understand, my friend? It all starts with looking. Right? Do what Job did, and guys, maybe especially you, he said, "I made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look on a maid." This is strong stuff. I made a covenant with my eyes. Not to look on somebody like I shouldn't look upon them. Everybody say covenant. 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 Serious stuff. First John chapter 3. Now before we read this, I want to talk to you tonight, today about things that cause your heart to bother you. After you've been a Christian, primarily, but I'm sure it would apply to the unsaved as well. There are things that you can do and not do. That will cause your heart not to be in good shape next time you need strong faith and faith comes from your heart. So you better take care of your heart because that's where faith comes from. Faith is how you get saved. Faith is how you receive help from God. And so I want to talk about why a lot of Christians hearts are bothering them and what they can do to get free from that bothering sensation and be strong in faith again. Um, I I remember I've had, well, I won't share that right now. If I, now we're going to talk about what living in sin does for the state of your heart. Or let me put it like this. What unrepented sin does to your ability to receive from God? You see, I'm not the kind of preacher that's going to ta- stand up here and preach against sin to try to make you feel terrible, try to make you feel like a bad person. I want to teach some of these things today to help you to be in a position of strong faith when, not, not if, you're attacked again with something that's going on in the world today. I want to teach you how to protect your faith. I want to teach you to ha- how to always have strong faith no matter what the enemy throws your way. To not teach on this would be to lead you into defeat. No, no, pastor, just, just love the people and, and, and don't preach, don't preach that anything they're doing is wrong. Just, just love the people. Oh no, don't make anybody feel bad. Pastor, just, just, just love the people. Don't preach about, you know, living with somebody you're not married to a Just stay away from that. Just love the people. Don't teach about, don't, don't teach that going to the bars and drinking with the world is wrong. Just, just let them do what they want. Just grace. Just, just let them hear about grace and just let them hear about grace. Yeah. And the next time the devil attacks, you're going down because your confidence is going to be low. We got to teach our people how to protect their faith. Did you know living in sin does not change God's love toward you? Did you know living in sin doesn't change his mind that, you know, from wanting you blessed to not wanting you blessed, wanting you healed to not wanting you healed? It doesn't do. Sin, Sin doesn't change God. Sin messes with our faith, which makes it very hard to receive from God in the evil day when we need help. And if and if sin didn't hurt your heart, you need to get saved. If living in sin doesn't hurt you, you need to get unseared quick, uncalloused quick, because not feeling bad while you're living in sin when you know better is dangerous warfare, my friend dangerous warfare. Ephesians talks about it's, it's, a, it's a sad day when you go past feeling. You don't want to go past feeling and you don't want your conscience seared with a hot iron and you don't want to get callous to things that bother God. They need to bother you too. Is there anything that bothers God? Is there anything that grieves God? Is there anything that quenches his? Well, yeah, then there should be some things that grieve us. Can I get a witness? The Bible says, grieve not the spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. There's some things that need to grieve us. Can I go a little farther? There's some things we need to have a strong hatred for. Because God does. Proverbs says, six things the Lord hates. Yea, seven that are an abomination to him. And then it lists a few things there. You should go read it sometimes. Proverbs chapter six. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter one, Jesus, after he rose from the dead, triumphing over death, hell and the grave, he rose from the dead. And it said that Jesus loved righteousness. Basically, he loved what was right. And he hated iniquity, which is perversion. Anything out of line with truth. He hated it. He hated it. Is there some things we should hate? Yeah. What? Like what? How about Iniquity. How about lying? Huh? These are things the Lord hates. He that sh- Hands that shed innocent blood. A false witness. He that sows discord among brethren. That's listed in the seven things God hates. You know, gossip. Causing strife in the church. The Lord hates it. He loves people that does it, but he hates the act. And because he does love us, He will let us be bothered by it. 1 John chapter 3. If we don't teach on what living in sin does to our faith, listen closely, church. If we don't teach on what living in sin does to our faith, then we are setting people up for defeat when the devil attacks. Notice I didn't say we need to teach what living in sin does. About God's love toward us. No, he's going to love you no matter what you do. You can't stop him from loving you. And you can't stop him from blessing you because he's already done it. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. But you can stop your faith from working properly by allowing your heart to be bothered by something you know better about. How many think it's time the church examines themselves? instead of everybody else they did this well they did I can't believe it. I can't believe the pastors I can't believe that how about this it even looks weird huh <laughs> examine yourself whether you be in the faith whether you need to deal with some of these things so if we don't teach on what living in sin does to your faith then we're setting people up for defeat when the devil attacks because you want your faith in good working condition when the enemy attacks. You know, <clears throat> this is such a high, high deal to God. He, he's so big on heart issues. To God, it's, it's pretty much all about the heart because if the heart's going the right direction, actions will eventually follow. And a lot of times, people try to fix the action when they need to work on their heart. Or they'll just bounce back. Did I do something? Okay. I'm watching you, man, because I trust you. Daniel goes, I just don't want you to give me that your zippers down sign, okay? (laughs) That's why it's good to wear a long coat, huh? (laughs) Moving right along. It's not love to make people feel okay in their sin. That is not love. It is any more than it would be love to take the bullets out of the gun and send them out to battle. Right. It is not love to make people feel okay while they're living in sin. That is not love. Actually, you know what the scripture says? A lot of Christians got things backwards. They're laughing and rejoicing when they should be on the dirt and crying and mourning for the sins that they haven't repented of. Then we've got Christians who aren't living in sin and they're all sad, who should be dancing and shouting, waiting for a feeling and dance and shout. The scripture says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Isn't it interesting? God's word to sinners and adulterers and people that are messing up is his, his word to them is, you guys, you just need to hit the dirt for a while and I'll lift you up. As opposed to, it's over, you're disqualified, get out of the ministry, get out of this, get out of that. God's word to sinners is, you can come back. I can lift you up again. But you might have to hit the dirt. And do a little crying and and do a little realizing what, what sin is really all about. I don't know about you, but I'd rather mourn for my sins in my bedroom, on my face, than mourn for my sins because I hit a cliff and I went out for a cliff, spiritually speaking, and crashed and burned. Figuratively speaking. All right, so 1 John 3, we're almost there, right? (laughs) All right, I need to read one more thing to you before we read this verse. If people are never told what living in sin does to their ability to receive from God, they will not be ready for the next attack of sickness, etc. I said, if people are never told what living in sin does, To their ability to receive from God, they will not be ready for the next attack. We need to be told what living in sin does to us if we don't repent of it. Now if you repent of it, if you ask God to forgive you and you acknowledge it, you're cleansed, you're forgiven, and God said, your sins and iniquities, I'll remember no more. But if you don't acknowledge it, if you don't fess up and say, hey, I'm blowing it here, It's not a good place to be, especially if you're attacked later and you need strong faith. 1 John chapter 3. I want you to notice some really interesting words here. 1 John 3, 14. John said to all Christians, We know that we have passed from spiritual death unto spiritual life. How do we know? How do we know? Because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in spiritual death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing or abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because Jesus laid down his life for us, and now we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his heart of compassion from him, how does the love of God live in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but let's love in deed and in truth. And hereby, walking in love, hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall persuade our hearts before him. For if our heart Condemns us. Stop right there. What kind of a phrase is this? If our heart condemns us. Notice it didn't say, if God condemns us. God is not in the condemning business. He's not in the making people feel bad business. But He will allow your own heart to make you feel bad if you're going against what he knows is best for your life. Friend, friend, let's look at this. If our heart condemns us, what's that talking about? If something is bothering your heart, if your heart is feeling guilty, and he's writing to Christians. What is that? Your heart condemning you is a gauge. You're low on something. Mm -hmm, You're going to seize up if you keep going. All right, radiator is going to blow up. It's a gauge. It's telling you something needs attended to on the inside. Come on, people need to know what to do with these sensations. You need to know that there's certain things about your heart that are good next time you need help from God or that will hinder you next time you need help from God. And it's not God hindering. It's it's not it's not God not loving you. It's, It's something in you. When Adam sinned, God still came down in the cool of the day to hang out with his bud. Adam withdrew himself. Adam hid in the midst of the trees of the garden. He's the one that drew back. Sin causes us to draw back. It doesn't cause God to draw back. It causes your faith not to work. Yeah, that's right. wow. Oh, come on. Remember when Jesus blessed Peter with that amazing day of fishing? Go launch out into the deep after, you know, Peter loaned him his boat to preach the gospel. Jesus just wanted to bless him. He said, Peter, go launch out in the deep for a catch. He said, well, Lord, we've toiled all night. I'm the professional fisherman here, you know. We've toiled all night long. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll do what you said. So they probably get their scrawniest little little messed up nets, you know. (laughs) We'll we'll try. You know, we're not going to use the ones we just washed. I mean, let's just find some scrawny. They went out and got so many fish, their nets start to break. Called other fishermen. Their boat started to sink with the fish. They could barely get all the fish to land. Peter comes back to land. And this is before he was an apostle. This is before he was a follower of Jesus. They all come back to land. And Peter goes, "Uh, Lord, depart from me. All this goodness you just blessed me with, go. Just because I'm a sinful man. See that sin, that sin causes you to draw back from prosperity, causes you to draw back from strong faith. It causes you to draw back from the Lord. It doesn't stop God from wanting to talk to you. Come on, if God feels far away, guess who moved? (laughs) Revelation, not God. He's still there. But you can draw back from him. Like Peter did, like Adam did. Now, notice this phrase. Beloved, if our heart condemn us. What an interesting phrase. If our heart condemn us. What verse are we in? 21. 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not. Excuse me, verse 20. Let's go back to verse 20. If our heart condemn us. God's greater than our heart and knows all things. One of the things you need to see about this here is what he's saying is, if your heart's bothering you about something, you know, you know you're off, you need to repent of something. you need to stop something, or start something good that he's been talking to you about. Uh, God knows it anyway, might as well just fess up. He knows all things. Well, if I don't say anything about this, nobody will know. Newsflash: The Lord knows. <laughs> I said, "The Lord knows.) <laughs> He knows everything. And acknowledging it to him is not what he found out about it. Do you realize confession of sin has nothing to do with punishment? It has to do with setting the offender free. Even at times in the natural where you've got to tell something to somebody. A spouse needs to reveal something to a spouse or something that's been in hiding or, or whatever. Do you realize confessing is not punishment? It's to set you free and heal you. Yeah. It's, it's hard on you. We're not built to go around with secrets and hidings and stuff bothering our heart. It's like running your car on cheap gas. You don't run well on that stuff. It's better to get it out. Walk in the truth. Why? Because the truth will make you free. If the truth makes you free, what does hiding do? must promote bondage because the opposite is true. It is so, so wonderful to have nothing bothering you. There's been times, oh man. And we were talking about this this morning over coffee and tea, Carla and I, which we do every morning. Um, about how I know in my life there's been times more than once good, good, good chunk of times where I've had to call people back or meet people and tell them I was sorry about something I said to them. You know why? Because I hate things that bother my heart. I remember one time I was talking to a gentleman in my office many years ago and this gentleman was firing away at me and accusing me of some things and, talk, and some of it was true. And just firing away. And so what do I do? I get in defensive mode. Well, wait a second. You don't know the full truth. Let me just tell you this. And let me tell you that. And let me tell you this. And let me tell you that. And the guy said, well, let me tell you this. And let me tell you that. And I just kind of defended myself. And the meeting was over. And the Lord said, well, let me go it this way. Something started bothering my heart about the way I tried to defend myself. What I was saying was true, but the way I was saying it was not love and it was not faith that God would work this out instead of me trying to convince somebody I'm right. My heart was bothering me. I called him and within 24 hours he was kind enough to come back into my office and I told him, I said, you know what? I said, you said some things that were really good and I got defensive and I'm going to take your advice on some of those things because I could have done better in some of those areas. Thank you for your advice. Just wanted to apologize and let you know I was wrong the way I talked to you the other day. Now, my flesh wanted to say, and by the way, <laughs> if you really want to know the truth, but you put your flesh down, you let your heart dictate what you're going to say. And you know what happened after that meeting? My heart wasn't bothering me anymore. I could move a mountain, cast out devils, believe God for anything. hoo! so good to have a clean conscience. Just, just recently, I mean, I, um, Dominic, this is interesting because I had told you something about, I don't know, a week ago concerning one of the songs you had sung and, and how I, I just didn't sense an anointing on the song or something like that. And then I found out some things that were going on. I realized why maybe the anointing wasn't there as strong. Um, and so I just kind of told him, I said, you know, I just didn't sense any anointing on that song. And conversation was ended. You know, I, I wasn't letting my heart bother me because I was busy doing other things. But I went home and the next day, I got in my car, put on that song, I Love Your Presence. I started listening to about five seconds of it. And the Holy Spirit said, You tell Dominic you're sorry. He worked hard on that song. And there was an anointing there, it just was as strong as you thought it should be. And go tell him you're sorry. And so I called you in my office. I said, Dominic, I'm sorry. I said, there was an anointing. Maybe I didn't feel as strong as I I was hoping to feel it. But you worked hard. I appreciate what you did. And I thank you for that song. It was a blessing. I knew I had to get that right with you. I I, I put on the song. I love, I love, I love your presence. Driving down the road and my heart is just beating me up. I had to turn it off. I had to turn it off. Because I knew I had to get this right. Right. And I said, Dominic, I'm sorry. You know what happened after I told him I was sorry? My heart level confidence came up sky high. I could cast out devils. I could move the moon (laughs) out of its rotation around the earth. Why? Because my heart wasn't bothering me. And that's where the forces of life come from. Now, I'm going to share something with you in just a couple minutes, because we're almost out of time. That's very interesting about people, Christians... Who get to the place where they don't feel bad anymore for the sins they're committing or the words they're saying about others. That's even worse than the original sin. Not feeling that restraint anymore. That's that's very sad place to be because you can get to a place, Christian, where sin doesn't feel bad anymore. But it doesn't mean it's not bad and deadly. You just don't feel it anymore. You went past feeling you can get calloused. You cannot feel anymore like you used to feel. Am I all right? Okay. Thank you. So read this before we go into that. Verse 20. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. You might as well tell him he knows anyway. David said, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old in me all day long. Your hand was heavy upon me. I felt like I was in the drought of the desert. But then I confessed my transgressions unto the Lord. He forgave the iniquity of my sin. And I can sing a song again. When did that happen? When I confessed and acknowledged my transgressions to the Lord. Who knows anyway, but you need to acknowledge it. And he got free. So this scripture says in verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, or can we say it like this? If my heart's not bothering about anything, What does that that do? What if our heart's not condemning us? What if our heart's not condemning us? Come on, what if our heart's not condemning us? We have confidence toward God in whatever we ask. We receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So why should we stay out of sin? Because goody, goody Christians shouldn't do it. Why should we stay out of sin? Because we're really bad people if we do it. No, you should stay out of sin because it hurts your ability to receive from God when you need his help. Yeah. Yes. Amen. If something's bothering your heart, it's hard for faith to come out and boldly take things. You've got to get things right with God and you've got to get things right with people as much as lieth in you. Yeah. Amen. I said, you've got to get things right with people as much as lieth in you. It's very important to do that. Confess your faults one to another, the Bible says. And at times, the spirit of God will lead you at times, if, if necessary, to tell somebody else, hey, I'm sorry. I did wrong. I know we've talked about this in a couple of messages in the past about be real, be free. And that is the order. Be real, be free. There are some people, they're like David, their bones are waxing old. They feel the hand of the Lord heavy upon them. Their moisture is turned to drought because they know they need to tell their spouse about something their covenant partner has a right to know about. I always gets quiet when I talk about these things. Are you following me? Somebody says, well, I'm not going to say anything, but if they ask me, I'll tell the truth. Good. But the Lord may want you to say something before they ask you. Just out of sheer Manhood. And maturity. Yeah, it, this, this is not for little boys. This is not for little girls. It takes a man to be honest about some things, especially with their spouse. Hmm. But I'll tell you what. When you get in truth, get ready for a collision with mercy. Yeah. <sighs> Miracles. Restoration of things you thought that could never be restored. The Bible says mercy and mercy and truth meet together. If you want to meet mercy, you can't be hiding. You can't be pretending. And the Lord will help you with timing and all this. He'll help you with mercy. He'll help you with grace. Just don't run away from being truthful. Work it out. The Holy Spirit will help you get free and get your confidence back. And then if COVID attacks, flick it away like a fly. Amen. That's right. With confidence from on high. <laughs> Amen. Read this. Read the rest of this. I guess I quoted it. So let's read it. If our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God in whatever we ask. We receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Violations of love will bother your heart. Whether you always feel it or not. A Christian, when a Christian violates love, which is the New Testament commandment or faith, uh, it'll bother your heart. And, if it, and if, you, if it bothers your heart, here's what you do. God, forgive me. I flaked. God, forgive me. I have zzzed. I have <laughs> I have sinned. Those three words will save your life. You find out through the scriptures when men of God and women of God said, I have sinned right after that. They got miraculous deliverance. But while they were hiding, not acknowledging, they were having a rough life. How many want to just be confident no matter what this world or the enemy tries to throw against you? How many just want to be full of confidence that you're overcoming everything? You have nothing bothering your heart. Be very cautious not to let the devil and demons bother you about sins you've already confessed. Smack him in the face with scriptures on the blood. Smack him in the face with scriptures on supernatural forgiveness. If you start feeling bad about sins you've already confessed to the Lord and already acknowledged and already turned from, just tell the devil to shut his face and get out. So, Look, just go to one more scripture. Hopefully this is, well, I'm going to say one more, maybe two. (laughs) And it might not just be one verse. It might be a portion of scripture. (laughs) Come on, this is good stuff, you guys. You need to hear this. 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Why would a Christian's heart condemn them? Because they know they've violated love either toward God or man. And it's not the end of the world. It's just you need to say, Lord, forgive me. I violated love and I knew better. We're not talking about what you don't know here. We're talking about what you do know. To him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. What about stuff you don't know? You're not gonna be as judged for that. You're gonna blood's gonna cleanse you from that. But stuff you do know. It needs to bother us when we find ourselves gossiping about somebody. I say that needs to bother us. It needs to bother your heart. It needs to. And, and that's what I'm going to share with you in closing here about a seared conscience. How you can actually get to the point where your heart doesn't bother you anymore about things it should bother you about. And if it's not bothering you, and it should bother you, you're not going to repent. And if you're not going to repent, you're not going to have the life that you, that you have a right to have. So, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 1. 1 Timothy 4 1. Now, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly, Paul said, by the Holy Spirit, that in the latter times, in the last days, some shall depart from the faith. And the reason is they started listening to wrong things, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Now, you realize none of these people would go to a service that was entitled Doctrines of Demons will be talked about today. we want to indoctr- No, these were, these were teachings that were inspired of the enemy that had a lot of truth in them, but they were off. Nobody's just gonna go, hey, I want to hear the teaching of a demon. No. Paul said that's what it was behind the scene. And a lot of these believers who heard these things, even in certain circles of quote-unquote Christian teachers, they were actually being deceived by the devil because Paul said they were. So it says, they're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. These people are going to be speaking lies. And where does that leads you? Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now stop right there. What does that mean? It's talking about believers. Departing from what they used to believe, starting to speak lies and hypocrisy, and having their, con- now they wouldn't be speaking lies if they knew they were lies. It's not just talking about people lying on purpose. They were speaking things they thought was truth, but it was totally against the word of God. Because they listened to wrong teaching long enough. It indoctrinated them down a wrong road. So their, their conscience is now seared. Now wh- what's that? Well, your conscience is the voice of your heart. It's the voice of your spirit. It's the part of you that says, hey, that's wrong. Hey, that's right. Hey, go this way. Don't go that way. You don't want your conscience messed up. It's your heart. He's talking about your heart bothering you. But these people got to a point where they were bothered. But then after a while, the sin didn't bother them anymore. I don't know about you, but if I put my hand near a fire, I want to feel it. I don't want to not feel it anymore. Oh, is that fire warm? What's that smell? Ah! Hand black. Because could, could no feeling. How many think feeling is good in its place? Feeling is really good in its place, isn't it? Go to Romans chapter 1 real quick. Go to Ephesians 4. Go to Ephesians 4. And then I'll just quote you Romans 1. Ephesians 4. You need to guard your heart, guys. You need, and you can, if there's anything bothering you, you can get it right. If there's things that you've gotten seared to, you can get soft again. Just put those things away by faith, believe they're wrong, even though they don't feel like they're wrong, and get soft again. Amen. Ephesians 4, verse 17. Paul said, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord to Christians, he's speaking, that you from now on don't walk as other non believers in the vanity of their mind. They have their understanding darkened. He's telling believers not to do this, because some of them were. And they're being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over until lasciviousness. Did you see that? Who being past feeling. They've gone past feeling. They don't feel anymore what they used to feel about sin. They don't feel anymore. They think, well, that's when I was a baby Christian. You're getting growing up spiritually mixed up with getting Hardened and getting callous to the things that are wrong. No, 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 no. We don't indulge in more sin the more we grow up spiritually. (laughs) Come on, sin is still sin. Isn't it interesting? So these people went past feeling. I just don't feel like it's bad anymore. And you're in trouble because you've gone past legitimate feeling. Past feeling. Would you all please forgive me if I say we can go to one more scripture? (laughs) Okay. Before we do read this, it said these people went past feeling and they've given themselves over to lewdness or lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. They went past feeling what used to bother them doesn't bother them anymore. They've gotten seared and they're headed to darker times. Okay. so. Go to Romans one. I apologize for saying two scriptures. That was not right. I don't want my heart to bother me, so please forgive me. Please forgive me, dearly beloved. I promise we'll be out of here before tomorrow. Maybe. Romans chapter 1 and verse 24. And We're going to read just a few verses here. So, Romans 1, 24, God also gave them up to uncleanness. One translation says, God didn't limit... Uh, what did it say? God... Oh, Carla, do you have the Passion translation? It says, God... Uh, what, what is it? Does anybody have another translation of this? verse? Huh? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's the Passion. God... Oh, they do. So it says, God lifted off His restraining hand to let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. That's called not feeling bad anymore for something that's deadly. This is called not feeling bad anymore for something that will destroy you. Keep reading here. God had to do this because they were so persistent in their wicked, perverted ways. They were so persistent in not looking to God. They were so persistent in rejecting His correction that finally God said, I have to lift my restraining hand off of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion among themselves. Keep going. All because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things of God made rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praises to him for ever and ever. Amen. Keep going. For this reason, God gave them over. He says it again. God gave them over to their own disgraceful and vile passions, inflamed with lust for one another. Men and women ignored the natural order and exchanged normal sexual relations for homosexuality. Women engaged in lesbian conduct and men committed shameful acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their deviation. Next verse. And because they thought it was worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God, God gave them over. He says it again God gave them over to a worthless mind, or one translation says reprobate mind, to break all rules of proper conduct. Next verse. Their sinful lives became full of every kind of evil, wicked schemes, greed, cruel. Their hearts overflowed with jealous cravings and with conflict and strife, which drove them into hateful arguments, and so on and so forth. Three times he says here God gave them over. To a reprobate mind. What does that mean? It means they didn't feel bad anymore in their present course about something they should have felt very bad for. Romans 13. You're in the same book. You might as well bounce over there, huh? Romans 13. And we're going to read this out of the Passion Translation just before we call up Dominic here. All right, Romans thirteen. When our heart is clear and not bothering us, we can receive anything we believe God for. So, Romans thirteen. Look at verse four and five. Drum roll, please. Paul said to the church, which is you and me, those are in authority. Those in authority are God's servants. For the good of society. But if you break the law, you have reason to be alarmed for they are God's agents of punishment to bring criminals to justice. Why do you think they carry weapons? They're not just target shooting in the desert when they have a break, right? You are compelled to obey. No, look at this. Look at this. You are compelled to obey them, not just because you might get thrown in jail. There's something way more important that's happening when we Knowingly go against what we know is right. Because you want to live with a clean conscience. Yeah. Oh, come on, church. It's, it's, it's bad to go to jail, but that's not nearly as bad as what sin does to your conscience, which messes with your faith. Which makes it hard to receive from God. But Pastor, I think going to jail is pretty bad. It's not as bad as being faithless when the devil attacks with a disease. It's not as bad as being co- you know, shot confidence when the enemy attacks with depression. Or tries to destroy one of your loved ones. Friend, I'd rather have a clean conscience than a million dollars. If that was my only two options. I would take a clean conscience any day. Because a clean conscience can get me all the prosperity I need. With that kind of faith, I can believe God for anything. You need to guard your confidence. You need to guard your heart. You need to guard your your conscience, your confidence. Guard it. Because there are things trying to destroy it. The devil's not so much trying to make you a bad Christian. He's trying to mess with your faith so you can't receive from God. So nobody in the earth sees it and knows there is a God. They never get their prayers answered. Their rebukes never work. Want to bet? Get your confidence up. Get your heart right. Ask God to forgive you. Stop living in sin. Repent with his help. He'll help you. Repent. But acknowledge it. Say, God, I'm flaking out. Help me. This is hard. He will. Now you're forgiven. And now your heart's in a good shape again. Oh, glory to God. That's all we have time for now. Thanks, guys, for listening so good. Let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. We don't want our hearts bothering us. And the good news is you don't have to have a heart that's bothering you. I know in my life there's people I've had to. Share things with at times. It was not fun. I mean, the devil is telling me, you share that. Everything's over. Bye bye. You're out of here. Go get a place underneath the bridge. But then the Lord said, son, even if that did happen, you wouldn't have a place underneath the bridge. I'd promote you because I can work with honesty. I think God's more impressed with an honest sinner than a lying saint. I'm going to say it again. I think God's more impressed with an honest sinner than a lying saint or a covering, hiding saint. You know, everybody needs somebody in their life they can be accountable to. You know, we all need to have somebody in our life that could say, Adam, where are you? What you been doing? That's accountability. That's original accountability. Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. Adam needed to fess up. Well, I sinned and I'm a little bit afraid right now. God already knew, but he needed to acknowledge it. God can't meet us if we're always hiding and pretending and covering. But once you uncover. I mean, I've had to do this with people, like I said, I gave you a couple testimonies. That is not the only people I've had to do that to. There's things I've had to say to people at times that was like, I, I think I would. I don't know. It's like. It's like, Father, if there's another way, let this cup pass for me, <laughs> you know, sweating drops of blood. I mean, it's, it's sometimes you just got to tell somebody, um, sir, um, you're my boss and I just need to confess. I've been stealing from the company. I've been taking stuff home that I know is church or a business property. And, uh, I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm willing to accept whatever, any punishment I got to accept. Would you steal pens and paper? They say, that's not a big deal. Oh, it's a huge deal. If, it's, if your heart's bothering you, about it. it's a huge deal. Right. Right. Next time a disease attacks, it's a huge deal. Are you following me? It's a huge deal. You can't, you can't, you can't watch the grocer who's, who's bagging your grocery, put something in your bag that you didn't pay for and not say anything about it, and go home and your heart feel okay about that. If your heart can feel okay about that, you might need to come to the altar next time we have an altar call. Or for sure, at least backsliders coming back. And get soft again. That should bother you. But it's little. It's huge! It's the principle. It's the heart. Not the item. It's the heart. That's such a big deal here. It's a big deal. You know, spouses, you may have to talk at times about Things that maybe you slipped into that temptation just got to you. You're probably going to be surprised at how much mercy is on the scene when you do reveal something because God can bless honesty. You see miracles. I've seen it. I've seen it in my life. You can see it. We've seen it in other people's lives. When you, when you do something out of honesty and love and the devil says everything's going to blow up and be gone forever and a miracle happens, you realize mercy and truth meet together. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Amen. I mean, sometimes you say, well, but my spouse is going to kick me out or my spouse is going to have whatever. Probably not. Especially if you bring it forth before they ask you. Because you know, most spouses know if something's going on. You're in covenant with them. Don't think think you're getting away with something. They know. They just haven't asked you yet and you just haven't told them yet. Are you following me? They know. And it's eating on them. And it's eating on you. I say, get it together. Get your heart right. Get everything clean. And have the time of your life. There's nothing like freedom. Oh my goodness! There's nothing like being free. In your heart. Well, Father, we thank you for helping us today. And Lord, if there's anything that's bothering any of our hearts, please just kind of remind us of that thing in case we got a little callous. Prick us again on the inside. Search me, Lord. Know my heart. Try me and know my mind and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If that's your prayer, say amen. Amen. Father, thank you for helping us today to search our hearts, to have hearts that are full of confidence in these last days in this warfare world. Thank you for helping us to get things right that will help our faith to flow like rivers of living water when an attack comes or something we need. Oh, Father, we thank you. This will affect us and our children and our grandchildren. We will have strong faith in the midst of whatever, because your blood cleanses us from all of our sins. Your mercy cleanses us from every unwholesome thing. And we thank you, Father, for giving us hearts of confidence as we acknowledge things we've done wrong, as we acknowledge things that we've missed it in. If there's any person that we need to get something right with, Lord, remind us, quicken us, show us, help us. We want our hearts breathing free 24-7. If there's somebody we've offended, maybe even years ago, Father, help us to remember that. If we haven't done our part in getting it right yet, that is. Help us, Lord, to be a blessing. Let there be supernatural apologies happening from this meeting forward. Let there be supernatural tears of sincere repentance Let there be supernatural acceptances of apologies. Let there be mercy. Let there be grace. And let your church be free in these last days. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.